On September 20th, 1961, Barney and Betty Hill were driving back home through the White Mountains in New Hampshire after a Niagara Falls and Montreal, Canada vacation that they had taken just to get away for a bit because Barney needed a break from working night shift at the post office and Betty was mentally exhausted from working child welfare cases. On this last night of their rendezvous, the couple went to a Vermont diner before taking the four-hour trip to their home in Portsmouth, New Hampshire around 10 p.m. As they were driving home, Betty spotted what she called a particularly bright star, perhaps a planet, in the sky around 10.30 p.m. However, when the extremely bright light she believed to be a star or planet began to move in a very erratic manner, moving from below the moon and the planet Jupiter up towards the west of the moon, Betty began to think it was a UFO that she was seeing. There was just no way it was a falling star moving the way it did. Barney, on the other hand, at this point was still skeptical and not convinced, of which Betty told him, if you think that's a satellite or a star, you are being completely ridiculous. All this rambling on led to Betty convincing Barney to stop the car, and he did, and they both got out. Barney with gun in hand. Betty then took out her binoculars to get a closer look and observed an odd-shaped craft flashing multicolored lights traveling across the face of the moon. Betty's sister had claimed to have seen a flying saucer only a few years prior, so for Betty, this being a UFO was definitely possible and not out of the question, and she was unwaveringly convinced one was right before her very own eyes at that very moment. Still a skeptic, Bonnie initially said it was just a plane flying towards Montreal until it changed direction and began heading in their direction right at them as it got closer he saw what he later described as a pancake like disc glowing with a brilliant white light that was about the size of a jet out of fear Barney and Betty both fled back to the car and attempted to escape the proximity of the object by driving down an isolated wooded road driving slowly as to keep an eye on the object and not reveal their location but during this time they noticed this object was not only following them but rotating as it did and noticed just how very large it was stating it had to be longer than 100 feet they silently watched it bouncing back and forth in the sky seeking them out as they slowly continued on right before it began descending upon them causing barney to stop dead in the middle of the highway as the craft hovered about 100 feet over their 1957 chevrolet Bel Air. It was then that almost immediately the hills heard a rhythmic series of beeping and buzzing sounds which seemed to bounce off the trunk of their vehicle. Noting the car was vibrating as a tingling sensation passed through the both of their bodies and they began feeling the onset of an altered state of consciousness. They soon became extremely exhausted and then completely unconscious. Next thing they knew they were pulling into their driveway without either one of them having recollection of what happened between seeing that bright light in the sky and pulling into their driveway. Interestingly enough, the same series of beeping and buzzing sounds that caused them to go unconscious was the same set of beeping and buzzing sounds that restored them back to consciousness as they pulled into their driveway. But at this time, neither one of them had recollection of ever even hearing the first or second set 
of these beeping and buzzing noises. Now Betty, she was certain they had had an UFO encounter when trying to piece together what happened during the last time from driving through the mountains to pulling into their driveway. Things began to get weird that very dawn that the hills returned home. Betty was insisting that her luggage be kept near the back door instead of the main part of the house and both of their watches never worked again. Barney noticed the binocular scraps were torn and could not for the life of him recall how that even managed to happen. The toes of his best shoes were scraped and Barney felt compelled to examine his genitals in the bathroom for some reason, although he didn't find anything out of the usual when he did. And they both felt the need to take a very long shower to decontaminate for absolutely no reason known to them at the time. And they both began to try to draw out their memory loss, but their memories were so incomplete and very fragmented that it was a fail. After sleeping for a few hours, Betty awoke and put back on the clothes and shoes that she had worn during the encounter and noticed her dress was torn at its hem, zipper, and lining and then noticed a pinkish powder on her dress which blew away after she hung her dress on the clothesline but her dress was very much so irreparably damaged that she began to throw it away but for some reason she just couldn't and so she didn't the next day they noticed shiny concentric circles on their car's trunk that wasn't there before and they began to experiment with a compass noting that the needle would spin like crazy whenever they moved near the concentric circles. On September 21st, Betty telephoned Peace Air Force Base to report their encounter despite being scared of being called crazy and not believed. The next day, a Major Paul Henderson called the Hills to set up an interview to be conducted on September 26th. And on September 26th, Major Henderson then decided that the Hills had simply misidentified the planet Jupiter in the sky. So of course, Betty is still going crazy over this after just being told that she didn't see what she saw when she knows she saw what she saw. So she goes to the local library and gets a UFO book written by retired Marine Corps Major Donald E. Kehoe, the head of a UFO research group called NICAP or National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena. On September 26th, Betty wrote Kehoe telling him of her and her husband's UFO encounter. This letter was passed to an astronomer and NICAP member named Webb who met with the couple on October 21st, 1961, conducting a six-hour interview and deciding that Barney had developed a mental block of the portions of the experience that he didn't wish to remember because all Barney could remember at that time in detail was the appearance of the craft and the creatures when he first was abducted. But Webb actually believed the couple. Ten days after the encounter, Betty would begin to have a series of very vivid dreams unlike any other dreams she had ever had in her life. These dreams would go on for five days and then abruptly stop. In one dream, she recalled the night of the abduction and how two of the small men forced her and Barney to walk in the forest at night. And she looked back at Barney and called to him and noticed he appeared to be in a trance or sleepwalking. She said the men stood about five foot even to five foot four 
and wore matching blue uniforms with caps similar to what military cadets wore and that they nearly appeared human with black hair, dark eyes, prominent noses, and bluish lips, except their skin was a grayish color. In other dreams, she recalled going onto the metallic craft and told by a man she called the leader that if she and Barney were examined together, it would take much longer to conduct the exams. This was before they were taken into separate rooms, and then she dreamt of a new man who resembled the other who began to conduct her exam with the leader. This is a man she called the examiner. She said they both spoke to her in English, but the examiner's command of the language seemed imperfect, so she had difficulty understanding him. The examiner then told Betty he would conduct a few tests to note the differences between humans and the crafts occupants. He seated her on a chair and a bright light shined down on her as the man cut off a lock of her hair and examined her eyes, ears, mouth, teeth, throat, and hands and saved trimmings of her fingernails. After examining her legs and feet, the man used a dull blade similar to a letter opener to scrap some of her skin onto a thin sheet. He then thrusted a six inch long needle into her navel to test her nervous system which of course caused Betty horrendous pain. If this isn't weird, what is strange is her recollection of the leader waving his hand in front of her eyes and then the pain immediately vanishing. This is when the examiner left the room and Betty began to converse with the leader and picked up a book with rows of strange symbols that the leader said she could take home with her. That is, until an argument broke out between the leader and the other occupant and he stated that they'd collectively decided she can't keep the book because the collective decided it was best that she not even remember the encounter. To which Betty insisted she'd remember the encounter no matter what they did to her and her memory. She insisted she would one day recall the events that had taken place. It wasn't until 1963 when the couple met with psychiatrist Dr. Benjamin Simon. Dr. Simon decided to hypnotize them both after diagnosing them both to be suffering from gripping anxiety with Betty's anxiety manifesting in the form of repetitive nightmarish dreams. It was only then that Barney began recalling 8 to 11 humanoid creatures with slanted eyes wearing glossy black uniforms with red caps on peering from the craft's windows and then descending down moving in uniform and taking the couple on board their UFO. Only one moved alone and he operated the panels as they moved throughout the spacecraft. He told Barney to stay where you are and keep looking. It is assumed this is the one that Betty called the leader. It was after this these beings began to conduct experiments on Barney and Betty's bare naked bodies. Although Barney's account was similar to Betty's dream recollection during Barney's examination, a cup-like object was placed over his genitals in order to collect a semen sample. Then a thin tube or cylinder was inserted into his anus before being quickly removed. And as all this was going on, someone was feeling his spine and counting his vertebrae. He recalled them talking, but in a mumbling language that he couldn't understand. This was possibly their native language. Barney claimed that the few times they communicated with him, it was through telepathy. And interestingly enough, both Barney and Betty claimed they never actually saw the beings, mouths, moving 
clothing while they communicated with them. Barney told Nightcap that despite their appearance, these beings were somehow not human. Betty told of asking the leader of these beings where they were at and the leader jokingly replying that if you don't know where you are, there wouldn't be any point in telling you where I am. And during another hypnosis session in 1964, Betty was noted to recall being taken to a star system 39 light years from Earth named Zeta Reticuli. And even better, Betty Hill was able to accurately draw a detailed map of how the sky looked in Zeta Reticuli and accurately tell just how far away it is from Earth. Betty and Barney's abduction story would be the first nationally captivating abduction story out of many for years to come. Barney and Betty's encounter led to the Air Force launch of Project Blue Book, which is a shadowy initiative that aims to investigate domestic UFO sightings. In 1966, this story was adapted into that year's bestseller called The Interrupted Journey, which was adapted to film in 1975 as the UFO incident. And as recent as 2016, there has been talks to release another film based on their experience. What's your take on the Hills' odd encounter and recollection? Let me know down below in the comments.